Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our Watch Club for Loki Season 2. We die with the dying, we're born with the dead. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Loki Season 2, Episode 6, the finale, titled Glorious Purpose, directed by Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Now, before we all take our seats on the thrones of all time, always, let me introduce you to the TVA personnel. Joining me today, first up, he's just in time, and he knows a little something about joint probability. He's Justin the Jet Ski loving Lawrence. You know, Nate, it's amazing that we're getting a fantastic MCU series from the events of the Hulk knocking Tony Stark on his ass. And losing the Tesseract. Like, seriously, the course of events that have happened. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. It's all the Hulk's fault. It's all the, it's thank the Hulk. That's what we got to do. Uh, but joining us from across the tiny wimey cosmos, he puts the D in deoxyribonucleic acid. He's Darcy, the dispenser of diffusional tetrahydrocannabinol. Hudson. <laughs> okay, I'll take that. Wow, you went really scientific for this one. <laughs> I, you know what? I knew because we have you on and it's centuries. Been, a lot of science. Centuries, man. It's been centuries of learning for him. <laughs> centuries <laughs> for me to learn that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I tried to even throw in a little bit of like, uh, there's a weed pun in there. There's yeah, some, there's yeah, some yeah, I heard that. Okay, yeah. okay. I we got the science yeah, with the right. weed pun too. Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'll, okay. And he's been here all along, always and forever. He's the maniacal multiverse manipulating throughput multiplier, Matt, the radioactive residually rhizospheric Rorabeck. I am enjoying a cup of hot chocolate, not from a machine. I made it uh, with just some boiling water on my stove, but it's I'm pretty not, good. I'm not as impressed. I'm not as impressed. If, if it was from a machine, you know, you could prune me, but. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> Thanks for having me, boys. Matt, Thanks welcome back to coming, the podcast. Man. Thanks for uh, joining, it's, yeah. It's been a long time. I know, about two, three years, I think it was WandaVision. WandaVision. I, the first MCU series, and now <laughs> the most recent one, that's it. Every four years, I'll show up for one episode or something. <laughs> it's 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 fantastic to have you back. It feels like no time has passed. Um, but Matt, for those who are listening to the Geek-Centric Podcast who haven't had the pleasure of knowing you, who are you, and uh, what are your sort of high-level thoughts on this season of Loki? Yeah. Uh, hello, everyone. I am Matt Rohrbeck. I am the co-founder, host, and lead critic, sort of producer of the Untitled Movie Podcast and Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, please go subscribe on YouTube and podcast services everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, and on Loki, uh, I God, what a goddamn show. Um, I am a huge MCU fan. I've been obsessed uh, since the beginning. 
um, in ebbs and flows, you know, almost fell off during the Ultron days, uh, <laughs> came back during the lead up to Infinity War and Endgame and just was all in. And then um, now back into the maybe the lower point of the MCU. But this show and the Marvels this weekend, I think, uh, were a spark uh, in kind of uh, the darkness that we have right now of the MCU where... Uh, I am very optimistic for the future. Uh, I thought the Marvels was a blast. I think Loki season two is up there with the best uh, of the MCU. I think uh, Loki season one and season two together, um, which I kind of consider them like they've already said two halves of a whole, but Mm -hmm. like part one, part two, um, I think in the top five of the MCU for me, like I I was kind of looking at it today going like, man, I think this is like right under maybe Spider-Man Homecoming and Infinity War and that kind of top five for me. Um, I was absolutely obsessed from the beginning. Um, It reminded me a lot of Lost. I've said this to a lot of people, which is my favorite TV show of all time. It's the best show Um, in the world. Yeah, (laughs) I'm so... I really bring that on, everyone, just so everyone realizes. I fucking am obsessed with Lost. So this show is very much up my alley, Mm -hmm. just... The way it plays with time, I love the aesthetic of everything. I love that, you know, even though it's added digital film grain, but I just love the production design and the look and the cinematography and the performances. And I'll go on and on and on, but um, that's, I fucking love it. It's great. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Can I swear on this? Sorry. Yeah, Dude, please. A hundred percent. Yeah. We'll, All right. You'll, you're under our R-rated episode content. <laughs> okay, so it's cool. okay. We have All a few, right. but it's, it's, we'll, we'll, we always love that. I happen. never know. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's fucking awesome. Yeah, that's there you go. A hundred percent. And we have so much to talk about. Uh, and we will kind of go over it and over and over again uh, in circles uh, until we finally break uh, the loop. But uh, I'm, I'm stoked to get to discussing the finale. Uh, just before we do, though, um, we here at Geekcentric do want to congratulate the SAG-AFTRA for fighting back and getting the contract they deserve, thus ending the strike. Uh, without incredible actors, both in the foreground and background, we wouldn't have the fantastic shows uh, and stories that we love so much. So we're stoked that, that now the strike is over. We'll continue to get uh, some fantastic writing and excellent acting going forward. Uh, and it's such a it's such a refreshing feeling to go th- like to talk to do that. We usually do a disclaimer and we talk about we were talking. It took it felt like forever that we've been talking about uh, the, the SAG strike. So we are so happy uh, that it is finally over. Uh, let's get into episode six the finale uh, titled Glorious Purpose, uh, which if you remember all the way back in the first episode of this series, uh, the snake has finally bitten its own tail as episode one was also titled Glorious Purpose. Special thanks to Jenna Anderson from comicbook.com for the assistance with this week's episode summary, which I've made a few modifications to to better serve our breakdown. The Marvel Studios fanfare uh, plays in reverse with an excellent score from Natalie Holt as we see the seconds before Timely's death. Loki time slips to that exact moment uh, and tells the team that Timely needs to get out there. Uh, He dies anyways, just as he did before. Uh, And Loki asks Obi, what they could have done differently and obi says they took too long Uh, so to the disco funky sound of walter murphy's a fifth of beethoven uh, loki slips back and tries to make things happen faster timely dies over and over and over again Uh, he goes back even further when timely first met obi and hurries things along even faster loki asks obi how long it would take him uh, for him to learn 
everything Obi knows. And Obi and Victor Timely tell him it would take centuries. So let's talk about this uh, this opening sequence here. Matt, what did you think of the the montage and seeing Victor Timely spaghettified over and over and over again? Well, one, hilarious. Just that <laughs> one visual of him over and over and over again. Just like the first time that happened, I remember in what was it, episode four, um, where that's those the episodes they gave us as press. And that was kind of like the cliffhanger that they left us on. And I remember just being absolutely shocked just seeing his body turned into spaghetti and seeing his jaw and his face. And it's just like, holy crap. Um, th and then seeing it over and over again just became more and more comical. Um, like, Nate, what you brought up at the beginning of the show with Natalie Holt's kind of score kicking off with that reverse Marvel Studios logo just right from the get-go I'm like holy shit this is awesome already <laughs> and it's so something as simple as that like I love when they mess with the Marvel Studios logo but then just that music put me in the mood of just going oh we're gonna get something special here and then um it started off way more fun than I thought it right. would actually yeah. like with that needle drop of a fifth of Beethoven and then going into the Groundhog Day sequence which you know is a concept we've seen many many times mm -hmm. in Groundhog Day and I mentioned uh, when I did the kind of funny uh, screencast uh, Palm Springs with Andy yes. Samberg mm -hmm. recently Forgot I thought it was a great yeah. great version of this kind of trope um, but I think they do it really really well here where um, I thought it was way more fun than I was expecting this episode to be at the very beginning I like seeing Loki do everything over and over again and just inch closer and closer to what he's supposed to be or what he's trying to accomplish and you just know how many hundreds of thousands of times that he uh he did every little thing over and over again just to gain an inch and uh we'll get to that title card and what that kind of means after <laughs> but like um i thought it was really fun and a clever way of like trying to figure out how to get out of this kind of jam especially now that he that loki knew how to time slip and stuff like that so i thought it was a lot of fun yeah absolutely mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. i i couldn't agree more i think like again the the opening fanfare with natalie's music and it going in reverse it's such a statement it just felt so like factual like it's like here I, we have something to say with this episode so it was such a strong kickoff and as you go into this sort of fun as you said like groundhog day montage you, you're experiencing time differently right and like that's what's really funny about some of the sequences is that they all experience time differently and you as an audience member experience it so i i love that they they kick it off with this really fun vibe uh that then leads to yes a title card that had me sinking in my my seat <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh i love i love mobius recognizing those moments too when loki would say this time and he's like, yeah. this time right <laughs> um and yeah i think it was the eighth or ninth attempt where we see his skin ripping off and i could just imagine you know, if Mobius had seen that, he would just be really, really upset. Um, but I also, you know, I think I heard it clearer this time uh, with Casey saying it wasn't me, which Alyssa pointed out in our previous Watch Club last week, which, again, is even further like the proof that like in their even though their minds have been wiped over and over and over again, pieces of them still remain from across time and space. And that Frank Morris life bleeding into uh, Casey of him just feeling like, like, oh, they're going to blame me because, again, that's what he would he would be used to of being a, a prison inmate. Uh, I just thought it was so so just, again, the, the attention to detail in this 
series is unbelievable. I just really like how Matt mentioned how funny and fun it felt this opening, despite, you know, the stakes that we are, we're dealing with in this uh, finale episode. I think it's really cool, though, because it kind of shows or mirrors almost Loki's journey through this one episode alone, where he's still very hopeful at the beginning. And there are the, there are options to solve this this problem or issue. And then as the episode goes on, we see that hope kind of drain from him in all aspects of the way. So really cool way to tell the story in both uh, sets of tone as well as, you know, again, the descent that we see throughout the episode. So it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Jonathan Majors, just going back to the attention to detail thing, sorry, was um, the fact that he makes the exact same sound when he meets Obi is just fantastic. Like that same, like, ah, like that, like excited noise that he makes. Uh, and I just, pumpkins. I love seeing them interact and, oh, we'll get to yeah, pumpkins. pumpkins. <laughs> we got to talk about, we'll talk about pumpkins. But I wanted to uh, also just point out, I never realized he called him wizard. Wizard, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize that was his name for him. Um, but let's, let's get, let's keep going here. So according to the title card, centuries do pass for Loki and he learns everything necessary to instruct Timely on the mission. He tells Casey uh, to secure Timely's helmet uh, and that and that combined with all of Loki's new knowledge helps the walk go successfully. Timely is able to install the throughput multiplier, multiplier, uh, push the button and make it back to the base. The loom begins stabilizing, but Obi notices that it's overloading again because there are way too many branches. Timely says that the multiverse is growing too fast for the loom to ever possibly handle it. Sylvie suggests that the creation of the branch timelines uh, is what set this in motion uh, and timely apologizes to Loki as the loom explodes once again. So uh, I'm going to circle back to Matt here. I mean, this has got to be the craziest jump we've ever seen in the MCU, given that it took hundreds of years for Loki to figure this out. Um, Do you think it's because he's a god that he was able to sustain that kind of experience? Because like, I feel like a normal human being would go insane. Like, I feel like they, they, their brain Absolutely. would turn into mush. Yeah, and I mean, I brought up Palm Springs, and then that was one of the darkest things in that movie, or even in Groundhog Day, when Bill Murray says he's been living, I think, like, 10,000 years or something, he mentions. Yeah. And, like, in Palm Springs, I think it's thousands of years, and you see how... I, more Groundhog Day is more of a comedy where Palm Springs plays it off a little bit more dramatically, but, like, it... it um, yeah, it's just mind-boggling of like and I think Loki being a god, someone who's lived, you know, thousands of years already probably helps, right? A couple hundred years to a god who's lived a couple thousand years is basically what like maybe a couple years for us. Sure. So, I kind of do the stupid math that way of going, all right, well we were locked in our homes for a couple years during COVID <laughs> and I'm like and having to do the same shit over and over and over again. I'm like maybe it's like the same for him. It's not that big of a deal. A couple hundred years, it's like ah whatever, it's just like a couple years to us. But when you really think about it, it is pretty dark. Someone who, you know, has to live the same moments over and over and over again. And like I mentioned before, we see the results of that in this sequence as Loki and the storytelling is so great because they don't have to they are giving you all the information without giving you like an exposition dump or anything like that like it's told through Loki's mannerisms right Mm -hmm. we get that he's done this 
thousands of times for hundreds of years and how he every little thing like you pointed out Nate like he just corrects people as they're saying a word or saying every little thing that you know has gone wrong in these thousands of times that he's done this before to my point earlier where he probably just every time got like an inch closer and then had to figure out what he needed to fix and has just done this over and over it would drive a normal person mad but um, as we see we'll get to later in the episode like Loki is not a normal human and um, I, I think this sequence is just, again, brilliant of, of showing, you know, the stakes there. It's sort of depressing, but it's still played in a fun way. Like even Loki going, OK, one more step forward. Uh, OK. Yeah. And just so, being, yeah, he's, he's done it before, man. He's, yeah, he's been there and he knows the right coaching. Like, that's what's so incredibly eerie about you know Hiddleston's performance in this is just yeah. that level of urgency that you get that sense like you said that he's lived this before right? yeah and he knows every single thing like he's like okay timely's about to put the thing down okay please don't put it down Love how he's like he's talking to him like he's a little um, kid like yep, uh, remember that's what I said. Oh, no, no no i didn't put don't it, don't touch put your it stitches. Down. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like he's just gone to the dentist or something and <laughs> and that's perfect because you know he's done this hundreds yeah. and thousands of times so and then learning about you know the throughput multiplier not being able to expand because of the infinite amount of timelines i think it is cool and the whole concept of you know the throughput multiplier and i i've said this on other shows about uh, loki specifically like they did a really good job with the like mumbo jumbo uh, like that like the scientific nonsense that they kind of spew where i'm like i get it it's just a thing there's a bunch of strands it can't hold them yeah. together and they like simplified the multiverse i think in the in the best way anyone has done so far so i just thought the sequence was was good great yeah. yeah i agree mm -hmm. I mean, you mentioned groundhog day and, and palm springs but this episode like a lot of this season had me thinking of doctor who vibes and one of my favorite yeah. doctor who yeah. stories He's, he's trapped in his own time dial for billions of years and just the sense of it's a sense uh, your sense of will that'll keep you going forward and I, I think that is what I'm boiling it down to because if you look at Kang he's probably or he who remains he's been sitting up there for hundreds of years too oh, yeah and as we see later on in this episode that that kooky quirky guy we got in the first season may have just been an act all along he is still very sane and, and yes. with it and all together so again i think it's a sense of will that that kept loki going strong for hundreds of years he knows he has this purpose he needs to to fulfill and achieve and he's going to do anything it takes to get there and I, again the way that we see him grow or how these these multiple time loops have affected him and his growth and stuff like that was so well done and i loved it yeah yeah and just going from like that fun montage that groundhog day sequence into a title card like centuries you've seen time pass so much and then when you hit that title card to know how much more time passed it's a gut punch and then when you bounce back and you see this 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 loki that's just he feels like he's so in control like to the point where he's kind of interjecting his point to speed up the process like you know he's like oh yep yeah, yeah, i know you're gonna make a joke here Mobius about me. I'm coming for your job. I'm coming for your job. Like it's just, it's those things where it's like he knows he's he's done this before. He's he's walking the motions. Um, but yeah, I think I think Will is definitely that. I think that's what's very much gonna is attributed to why we see him at the end of this episode where we see him. Um, because I think being a god, yeah, like time must work differently for gods in, in a lot of ways. So I, I imagine centuries wouldn't have been. Uh, that much for for someone like him. 
Well, it's just another cool way, I think, similar to the Stones in the first season, that the writers of this show just sort of say, like, hey, you know these things that seem, like, insanely crazy? Well, we're going to just sort of make them small. And and that's what this title card does at the same time, where, where yes, it is centuries later, but technically in the grand scheme of things, yeah. it's no. it's really nothing. And it, it, it doesn't, it, it only just shows how much he has to go through. Um, I think the, the, the biggest question I have, though, is pumpkins matt why does yeah. why does victor timely say pumpkins i have no fucking idea why he says pumpkins i remember i was watching it with my wife the, the night it premiered and she's like did he just say pumpkins and i'm like i think so and we I, died laughing. And I was like yeah, yeah. i was like I, and was it a saying back then of like uh you know i don't know but um yeah nate you brought up a great point too about the the title card because like i remember even in like Endgame seeing the like five years later thing and Huge. That being like holy fuck five years <laughs> it's like um and now you're seeing centuries later and you're like ah it's no th- nothing for for loki and then um the other thing i keep thinking about too is that um, we've seen this concept and I love that everything comes back around. And even though we don't have to keep going to Thanos and the infinity stones and the infinity saga, but like, you know, Dr. Strange essentially does this exact thing at the end of the first Dr. Strange Mm -hmm. movie, right? Like he lives, I don't know how many years fighting Dormammu over and over and over again, right? Like enough years where his hair goes gray, like on Mm -hmm. the side. So like, the decades at least probably i think maybe not he doesn't he ages like a human so maybe not too long but still for a uh i know he's a a wizard as well but like (laughs) it's just um i I just that concept of him seeing all the different outcomes too when he's using the time stone time stone being green like i I love that thematically it all kind of ties back together even though even though they're doing something completely different and trying to kind of it's just building upon again when we get to the end of this show and and how it you know comes full circle for a character we've had for 15 years almost and i think it builds on some concepts that they've had throughout the whole 15 years of the MCU and stuff too which i think is really really cool yeah wow. pumpkins Pumpkins. pumpkins is pumpkins was wild i couldn't believe he said that the, the reason the reason i so... laughed even more though because i mean well it's not a spoiler but just if you get a chance to watch on netflix <laughs> yes. blue eye samurai yes. uh okay. there's something that has to do with pumpkins i think in the second or third no episode. first episode it's the first, first episode. episode okay yeah. you just have to watch the first episode i think it's up on youtube if you don't have netflix but watch the first episode of blue eye samurai on netflix and you're gonna laugh when you watch the whole thing because it's really really good if you like <laughs> okay samurai, absolutely think, cool but, and that's that's I more should, to you yeah. matt like, I think you'd I think you'd enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Um, but let's keep going with this show. Uh, Loki goes back in time to the events of season of the season one finale uh, and tries to stop Sylvie from stabbing he who remains. Uh, he tells Sylvie she was right f- uh, for not trusting him uh, and tells her that he doesn't care about reclaiming a throne anymore. She threatens uh, that she'll only stop if he kills her. Uh, and Loki repeats the cycle multiple times over, trying to stop Sylvie at uh, increasingly earlier and earlier moments. Loki asks He Who Remains, why isn't he trying to stop Sylvie? Uh, and He Who Remains uses his temp pad to pause Sylvie. Uh, he reveals uh, that he knows about Loki's time slipping uh, and says that his his death at the end, uh, sorry, at the hands of Sylvie is all part of his plan uh, because he will reincarnate anyways. Um, he says reincarnation, baby, just like he does in the and uh, in the finale of the first season. Uh, he who remains resumes time 
Uh, and Loki reveals that he that he's already had this particular conversation with he who remains. Um, so Matt, uh, you know, this is where my brain starts hurting, thinking of mm-hmm. everything going on. But and and like this is where and I was listening. I listened to your uh, discussion with the kind of funny guys. And this is where I'm like, I, I feel very Tim Gettys right now in trying to just dissect all these little details that seemingly don't matter. But that's what we do on this show. Um, mm-hmm. So would it really be reincarnation of the same he who remains if the one in the past dies i mean how can he how can he retain his memories past death i don't i don't understand i i think because time isn't really moving in the same way because it is outside time right is it it is at the end of time and even the way that loki has been time slipping in the tva i think it's like it it just works slightly this is i I could be completely wrong no you're not that's what i'm wrapping yeah yeah how i'm wrapping my brain around it is that it essentially is the same he who remains because it's not like in the in the timelines where if you go and change something it causes a branch like i think what we've seen especially with that first ouroboros scene is well which i was confused originally on the first episode of the kind of funny screencast that i did yeah of like well is when loki goes back and talks to ouroboros there in the past but it's then he has the 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 loom and stuff beside him and it's almost like changing things in real time almost and then i took it well as like sort of like lost or another any time travel movie where you go back and it's like it always happened that way right and you could go either way here of like it's always happened this way and i think we don't have all the puzzle pieces yet either depending on where they go with kang Mm -hmm. and and he who remains of being like was this all part of his plan did he know this was going to happen did he know that but like i consider it the same he who remains because loki's actually going back to that moment and changing the timeline in real time so I don't know about retaining memories and things like that, but I just assume that he's always one step ahead and he kind of knew what Loki was going to do. It's like, again, 3D chess, time chess of going like, well, I knew he was going to learn how to do that and do this because he'd want to stop me. That means he'd go back here and stop Sylvie and then we'd have this conversation and I knew what he would want to talk about because he sees everything because it's like a nonlinear. I'm getting even confused talking about this. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I have no idea, but that's kind of like my word vomit of going like, uh, I think... It is technically the same he who remains. You're just undoing that moment and it continues on to the future. And then he kind of knowing because he's probably done all of this before similarly in different ways through how he had to master time Mm. that he knew what Loki was going to do. Right. The paving the way thing and the script in the first season and all that kind of stuff. Like I'm still trying to wrap my head around because, again, it is outside of time. And was this all still part of his plan is what I'm thinking still. Right. Like it. Are we going to get a reveal down the line in, in Kang Dynasty or in a thing where it is a full snake eating its own tail where it's like, no, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. And then we're going to get some moment where it's like it, they end up in the exact same place. I have no idea. Anyway, someone else go. <laughs> <laughs> you you mentioned the script and that's where I was kind of explaining away this this whole thing is that like. We only saw what Kang was showing Sylvie and Loki with the script there. So what's to say there wasn't more to that story that mm-hmm. he has in his back pocket and knows that down the road this might happen or something like that. Again, going back to Doctor Who, their whole they always talk about fixed points in time and how something will have to happen, but how it happens can change. And okay. that's how, again, you'll get these things that will have to happen at some point and will shape the the 
uh, future going forward, like the the breaking of the loom or that the branching of the timelines that had to happen at some point. And then this is just Loki's way of now understanding and getting to that point himself. Whereas Kang was already there, Loki is caught up to him almost. It's again the fact that they're outside of time, like you you said, Rorbeck. It is definitely boiling down around that where time does not flow the same as it does outside of the or in the actual timelines. Hmm. This is you know. It's ever-changing and constantly fluid and always in flux based on who's there and doing what type thing. So, again, hopefully this all does get explained at some point. Otherwise, these theories will constantly get more and more wild, as I can <laughs> only imagine. Well, I, you know, from the the the, the vomit that Rohrbeck used, you, you got there. The chunks, there's a couple good chunks there. And I think the biggest one is the fact that that, they're, that they're, they exist outside of time. These these two characters are are now actually of the same power yeah. set if you will uh which i think is that one up where he s- stops with his temp pad and says listen i know what you're doing here and mm-hmm. then you know loki's like uh, uh uh you know you think i don't know what you're doing here right so i think that there's that sort of play of like they're kind of on opposite ends of as you said a chessboard using these powers in a way to wield the results that they want and and we don't like like you said we don't fully know what he who remains really wants with the next multiversal war and 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 whatnot and how is how will loki potentially maybe play in into that in the future but that said i think that's why the existing of of reincarnation and and you know the, the memories of for he who remains they stay and he's able to continue going is because he's he's a care he's someone who exists out of time wow I mean, well, after after all that uh, vomit, I think I fully understand <laughs> how it works. Um, I, 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 again, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like I'm like Loki. Like, I'm gonna have to study it for centuries to fully oh, understand. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, yeah. But I do love the 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 writing in this moment, and um, Tom just, I, I love. He he absolutely kills the line of uh, "I can't be trusted," followed immediately by "You have to believe me." Uh, and I just think it's so it's so Loki. It's so well done. Again, the writing is just unbelievable. Or like when he says, um, "The last thing I want is a throne," uh, is just a, a beautiful little subtle hint at, at kind of the outcome of the the show. Um, I think the other interesting thing when he who remains says, "See you again," uh, it's like he's talking to Loki mocking him over see and over and over again see or see you soon yeah, yeah. yeah see you soon yeah. um and then the other detail i didn't i didn't personally recognize but i do want to shout out eric voss on this one because i, I just i really love highlighting the attention to detail in the show and just how next level it is and a lot of writers and a lot of people that that script these shows and work on these shows probably don't pay attention to this kind of detail so uh the elevator scene uh, when he who remains uses his temp pad in season one, uh, she goes to stab him in the elevator and he uses his temp pad to like, I guess, sort of time teleport out of the way. Um, but here he dodges it because he knows that Loki is going to stop it in this instance. Because in He's time. time slipping. And that's absolutely yeah, yeah. unreal. Like, it's just kudos to the writers for staying on top of stuff like that to be able to sort of recognize that, hey, no, 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 it wouldn't play out the same way because he's in a different place mentally. He knows different things. It's it's unreal, unreal, Mm -hmm. unreal. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Let's keep going here. 
He who remains pauses time again and reveals that everything in the loom is actually irrelevant to the sacred timeline. So Loki has been wasting his time. Oh, Loki decides to change the equation by breaking the loom. But he who remains says the loom is the only thing stopping the multiversal war that destroys everything uh, and that he's offering the universe mercy. Loki refuses to believe that and insists he's going to find another way. Uh, He Who Remains resumes time and tells Loki to make the hard choice to let Sylvie kill him uh, or to kill her and uh, and they can protect what they can. Um, So, like, this is where I start to sort of, you know, I try to put my hand in the ring for the the 3D space time chess. Um, But is He Who Remains baiting Loki the same way he did Sylvie into continuing his ultimate goal. I mean, the multiversal war, we can all agree, is secret wars, right? So it's inevitable that no matter what he remains says or does, it, it it's going to happen because it did happen. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had that same question too um, on other shows of going, is this multiversal war that's potentially coming the exact same one or is it a different one so like that's the whole full circle thing again mm-hmm. um yeah you make a great point that i haven't even thought about nate where you know him even mentioning the loom and that like well it's the safe uh, thing that's gonna restore the thing almost gives loki the idea that he could break it and release the time he has a he has right? a, so a like, you know he's got the math up on the wall and, and yeah you know what i mean like it's almost like trying to like sh- like it's like a magician right trying to like put your eyes in one spot so that you'll look at another spot or what have you, right? Because then that's the thing. If he knows this multiversal war is going to happen, that's ultimately how he gained power, right? He won that multiversal war. right? So if he if his plan all along is to actually have that happen, but then may, maybe he could have just... This is the thing. It's like, well, okay, he could have just released all the, the Kang variants at any time. At any Why time. did he need mm-hmm. Loki to true, do it true, and, true. and things like that? So... I, I guess if it's going to happen, he still thinks he's going to win at the end. But yeah, this is, my brain does start to hurt <laughs> thinking about it. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about theories of where it's going to go in the future. But I, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Hmm. I I feel like the you know like you were you were on the there with the point of saying that this is going to be different. I think that's what Secret Wars is meant to be is the the different multiversal battle, the changing yeah. of the stakes. I think. I think he who remains is tired of winning against his own variants that he wants a new mm-hmm. player on the chessboard that he can, he can fight and go against. And that might be Loki. Uh, and I think in very much this conversation and, and especially given the fact that like, you know, when we first are introduced to he who remains and he stops time, there's that theatricality. There's that sense of like, you know, pristine and, and who he was in the first season. Wizard as of soon, Oz, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then, you know, and, and soon, as soon as he, you know, Loki reveals his, card right uh you know suddenly yeah he 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 relaxes he suddenly loses that persona he's he becomes a little more lax and he basically is just straight with loki because i think he sees him now as an equal Mm -hmm. he sees an equal across there that has matched and done what he has quote-unquote set up and maybe he hasn't entirely i also think that maybe he who remains was bluffing a bit to say that he knows but he's starting to recognize that this is the events keep slowly changing. And that's why he's suddenly like, you know, you don't think I don't know that your time's slipping. So who knows? I, I, I think that the multiversal war is meant to be something different this time around. And mm. I think that's why we're, we're seeing secret wars around the corner and how 
incursions around the corner and like eventually that. well yeah, yeah. yeah maybe to loki it's around the corner yeah down the road okay <laughs> yeah. like down the road the road to secret wars yeah i wanted to jump on one thing justin said too which um I think is interesting of like uh, he who remains finally kind of respecting Loki or going, Oh shit. He is kind of one step ahead of me. There's that one moment where I forget the quote that he says. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Perfect. And then um, where you can see who remains be like, what okay. the <laughs> fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah. And then like, and that whole conversation when he starts, you know, actually talking like himself. And I think even a little bit of jealousy too, because Loki being a God and being able to control time just organically, like through his powers where he has to use technology, I think is even an interesting kind of three in D chess kind yeah. of thing of being like, Oh shit. Okay. He did figure this stuff out. Okay. I respect that. And like, he is moving a little further than I thought he might have after I thought, Maybe they just kill me and then this would happen. Um, but I think it's interesting even, yeah, him having to use tech and the temp pad and Loki just being able to organically like manipulate time, I think is cool. I mean, going off that, I think it just goes back to that first Thor movie where magic is just science that's so far ahead we can't understand it. Yes. Yeah. It's almost along the same lines where Loki has that baked into him. So it's really cool to see him using that power to, to become almost an equal or, or you know, um, just equal to King in terms of how, how much they can control time. But what I think you mentioned secret wars. And of course I, this is clearly building up to the second secret war series, not the first, first one. one. Yeah. The first one was just a crazy alien making a, a, a planet to have a bunch of people fight on. And that was his little side yeah. project. Whereas <laughs> this is clearly leading up to almost like Loki taking the role of God emperor doom. Yes. That he has saved the universe and was my theory. Yeah. into his, his own, you know, creation. And, that may not work out down the line. Again, we were talking about how how can one guy take all this you know power and everything through him and and work with it. So I think it's going to be really neat to see how this goes into Secret Wars because it definitely is related, but I don't think it'll be at all similar to what we've seen in the comics. Sure, mm -hmm. I still feel like there's 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 something there's between He Who Remains and another character that I will get to later. It does feel like there's some sort of nudging. Uh, going on like especially when he the moment he says I think I caught it in the, my second watch through of like I made the tough choices that's why I get the big chair uh, and just the idea of like by the end of this Loki makes a tough choice and gets the big chair so I just something in my mind just I, I don't know uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to call out as well and just bringing back the idea that I mentioned earlier with with Casey sort of through time and we've talked about it in this show but I like that again just another little attention to detail thing the 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 nod to young Victor Timely uh, where where um, I think it's like the moment after Loki sort of uh, one ups him if you will uh, Victor Tiny licks his finger and then puts out uh, an imaginary candle. And I just think that's such an interesting aspect to it of like, uh, or sorry, he who remains does that. Uh, and it's just an interesting aspect of, of calling back to the candle maker that Victor Timely could have been. I don't know. Maybe it's just a neat nod, but. I love that. I love the way Majors made fun of his portrayal because so many yeah. people have made fun of his portrayal of, of, uh, Victor Timely is just being hokey and a little too, like, it doesn't seem right for the MCU, if you will. But, you know, I love that in this moment, he who remains is sort of mocking him by by doing it. So, uh, it, well, it, yeah, so well it's an interesting callback. No, I mean, all even going back to the um, post-credits and quantum mania, like, my one thing going into this series was just like, I'm not sold on the whole he who remains or Kang being, like, the big bad, just because, like, 
obviously he gets punked out by Ant-Man and Quantumania. And I'm like, that doesn't really like, no offense to Ant-Man, yeah. but I'm like, this guy's supposed to be like the next, like a huge threat. And then I'm like, then you get to those post credit scenes and, and with Victor timely and all the other Kang variants, just, I rewatched that scene and it just still doesn't sit well with me, even though I, I love the character, he who remains. And I even liked parts of Kang, the conqueror in Quantumania. But when I've seen all the other variants so far, I'm like, I'm not really threatened by these jabronis. Like, I just like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, they're so it it screams parody. I, I forget someone, Justin. I think you mentioned that before we were on air. Where, um, and I, you probably weren't referencing this, but every time I see that scene and I think of like this show does a really good job of actually making me feel like he's a threat, especially the He Who Remains version and mm-hmm. and and with the timelines and stuff. But when I go back to that sequence and Victor Timely in this show. Um, and all those ones, I'm like, man, it screams like nutty professor or something yes. like that to me <laughs> where I'm just like, I can't take this seriously and I want to. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think that comes from the, the comics themselves because there are so many versions of King that we've been introduced to. And a lot yeah. of times he is trumped by, you know, one off, you know, little kid or, you know, a bunch of kids working together to fight this big bad. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, King will be jokey as much as he is imposing we just haven't seen enough of that imposing side mm-hmm. of him yet so i totally agree where he i i'm still not buying it knowing the comics i know there is potential there yeah he's not doing a very good job of bringing that to the screen it would have been really interesting to see you know uh the marvels just recently came out and i believe if correct me if i'm wrong but they they the the Marvels and Quantumania were entangled themselves, right? They t- they had to swap places, I believe, from <laughs> when they were released. So, like, if you think about it, we would have been talking and just done our review for Quantumania going at the same time this finale is dropping. Like, if they did, like, I'm wondering if that was always their plan uh, from a production. I think it standpoint. was. I think it, it was. probably right? was. I, I I think they if they didn't have to have that movie come out earlier, it was just it was. I mean, sort of done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it was rushed. Uh, but yeah, it, but I don't hate that movie, but I also just think there's a ton of problems with it. But yeah, it would have been great if they could have timed that stuff right? out properly. It would have hit more better. Yeah. Pandemic yeah. strikes, all that kind of stuff. Visual effects. Um, all right. So Loki time slips to the events of season of the season one premiere when Mobius was showing him his life in the time theater. Uh, Loki asks Mobius how the TVA decides who lives and who dies. Mobius tells uh, Loki a story about the TVA finding a variant in the Black Sea who was uh, just hanging out with his brother, going about his day, and and just kind of you know, have, being on his own. Uh, and he, but, but he was going to be responsible for thousands of deaths. Uh, and it was, uh, it's just a little boy. Uh, one hunter, Mobius, uh, hesitated in killing the boy uh, and it made things worse. And it turned out that his partner, who is Renslayer, uh, just totally uh, nuked the kid. Uh, Loki tells <laughs> Mobius, well, pruned the kid, whatever. Um, <laughs> Loki tells Mobius that uh, purpose might be more of a burden than a glory uh and uh he he thanks mobius uh shakes his hand uh and just before uh, sorry he thanks mobius and shakes his hand just before he and the reality around them fade out of existence uh this is a really i think beautiful touching moment in the episode really lovely sequence i love that we get to see this moment again and i think it adds so much meaning to why loki time slipped to that time theater in the last episode when he wasn't really in control 
of his time slipping again. Something inside him knew that that place was special. Um, but I got to ask, and I'm going to throw this to anyone who wants to answer here. Who the heck is the the boy with the brother in the Black Sea who was responsible for thousands of deaths? Darcy. Mine is just the loosest guess based on where the Black Sea is geographically and where Latveria is supposed to be in the, the Marvel. It's moved around a bunch, but Eastern Europe is basically where it is. So maybe it's a young Doctor Doom, mm-hmm. but... I don't know if Doctor Doom ever had a brother. Like right. it's, it, that's really the only. But maybe in that timeline he did. Maybe, yeah. and I don't. I I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of when they said Black Sea. Right. I know, but is there a chance it could be Loki? Because there's a poetic nature to this whole him being in this room interrogating Loki, finding a new way to talk to a variant of Loki, the boy that he couldn't kill, mm. that Renslayer killed, and we know Renslayer already has. A relationship with Loki variants given Sylvie, right? Uh, so is this something that she sort of was doing? She was just going to resolve all of these different Loki variants Take out all because the of the events. early. Yeah, yeah, because of the events of that happened on that boat that, that Mobius couldn't commit to that pruning. And you know, now we just sort of see its own or Ouroboros sort of happening where it's a circular a moment for Mobius to be in, in this situation. Um, but yeah, so this was such a beautiful scene, man. Such, such cool. a great dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the same thought, Justin, where I originally hearing that, I'm like, oh, two brothers young, like one brother's responsible for a bunch of deaths. I'm like, that tracks for Loki. Um, <laughs> and that was like, okay, well, I hesitated and it caused a bunch of variants like very, very quickly. Um, we saw so many last, last season, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> and that could have been the beginning of the cause of all those kind of loki variants and i don't know why loki and thor and odin maybe they're just having a beach day in the black sea like i don't know <laughs> they visit down, earth like, sometimes come on yeah they vacation so, uh, yeah. it, it, it could that be time like, they did because thor hadn't been to earth in a long time in the first movie so, so yeah, yeah. so uh, it is a variant so yeah whether they you know were on earth in the black sea for whatever reason i was thinking okay trying to think of the mythology uh, of uh, of of or Thor and Odin and stuff. And I'm like, I don't, the black sea doesn't really make sense for any of that stuff. So I think if they wanted it to be Loki, I feel like they'd give us more, more. hints towards that, like that it would make sense or, or they would just flat out say, cause if uh, Mobius knew that it was Loki, he'd have this weird connection that I feel like maybe would have come up. Although his, he remembers this story, even though his memory has been wiped. So it was in the last kind of loop. So it was more recent anyways but yeah i had the same thought at the time stuff man it really fucks with you um uh but i do uh i did have that same thought where i'm like oh that would be really kind of like fitting if it was loki as a kid yeah i i, I just want to like stick with this scene for just a couple seconds because the writing is outstanding like you, you already mm-hmm. quoted it man most purpose is more burden than glory like just absolutely beautiful and then mm-hmm. there's no comfort uh, just you have to choose your burden and just the sort of closure to this moment. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like watching this entire episode up until this point that I was like, oh my God, are we closing out characters? Are we yeah, like wrapping? This is a series finale. They, yes, a, yeah. yes. This is where it started to feel like a series finale. And especially given the fact that I, I'm imagining, and I'm sure you guys are, are with me there, but when he shakes his hand, he's obviously killing that timeline, right? Like he's he's eliminating that timeline, that that branch that he slipped into is... Is that kind of what's what what's happening there? I think so. I mean, I I don't. I think in the in the grand scheme of things, maybe it doesn't fully 
you know, matter, but I, I think it's really pretty. <laughs> I think it was really like <laughs> sad and pretty at the same time, that melancholy feeling that you get. Um, I also love that Mobius couldn't prune the kid because he saw him playing with his his brother and something inside of him stopped him. Oh. And it was the yeah. fact that it's his kids, right? He has two kids that are, I think we talked about this last week. They're very similar to various aspects of Loki and Thor uh, in, in just kind of what they say and what they do. So I just, I think that's, again, the, the writing in this series and the way that they sort of have that follow through with these characters and these moments is just unbelievable. And to think that episode five, apparently i'm just hearing this now that it was like that's not the original episode yeah they had to rewrite it he rewrote it in a weekend <laughs> the whole plan was nuked by by the overseers of disney they yeah. pruned or it. marvel it was yeah, the marvel, marvel. trust yeah. head is what they call it so it's like the executive producing team and i think they have their own story team that keeps track of all of these right. things so they they just kind of apparently blew it up and i, I did watch a, a brief video on uh new rock stars that kind of hypothesized about what that could have been there's mm -hmm. some really great theories about how it could have kind of been uh very um re revisiting different points in the mcu timeline based on when we run into our our characters and where they are it's expensive, in though. in the timeline so yeah it's expensive and it could be probably pricey in terms of a visual effects heavy sort of thing but who knows it, it had it but, but apparently it had people talking Right, mm -hmm. they were just like whoa like out of that story treatment episode five is the best right so it's like wow i'm I'm happy with at least how Mobius uh, was treated throughout uh, these last two episodes and into this yes. this sort of final sequence with him. Uh, Loki goes back to right before everyone disappeared in episode five and pulls Sylvie out of time uh, to talk with her about the situation. Sylvie argues that sometimes you need to destroy something in order to replace it with something better. Loki time slips back to right before Timely's walk and locks Sylvie and Mobius behind the door to the vault. He tells them now he knows what kind of god he needs to be and embarks on the walk by himself with no spacesuit. As he goes out on the, on the, onto the gangway, his clothes transform into a new version of his Loki costume uh, or his suit. I guess we should call it a suit. Give him some respect. Uh, he <laughs> uses his powers to zap the loom uh, and realizes he can physically grab and reignite each of the dying branches. He creates a crack in space-time, uh, which he walks towards and, and then eventually through. And Sylvie says that Loki is giving them a chance. Loki walks towards a throne, carrying the branches with him. The throne begins to turn gold, and we see that it's the remains of He Who Remains Palace. Uh, Loki sits on the throne and holds the branches together, allowing them to begin to heal. We pan out, uh, and we see that we've been looking at the branches from the wrong angle. They now form uh, Idrisil, also known as the World Tree. Uh, Matt, you mentioned earlier sort of just how long we've been on this journey with Loki um, you know, I think Tom Hiddleston said, yeah, 14 years of his life. Uh, and it's just incredible how how well it's been handled, uh, surprising, and especially especially by this series. Uh, it's such an incredible end for this character that started off so selfish. And now he's committed like such a selfless act. Um, I want to start with Matt. What time what does this mean for for Loki? Uh, and is this where he sits? for all time, always. 
Uh, well, first off, what a goddamn sequence. Oh, like, geez. just Natalie Holt's music oh. and just this starting and his fucking TVA suit ripping off and he just getting the fucking horns built from He Who Remains kind of like palace and like uh, this dope-ass uh, Loki um, full-on suit, like you mentioned, Nate. Like, it's the coolest thing the I've loafers. ever seen, probably. Loafers. Yeah, those cool-ass loafers. <laughs> Dude, he like, looks stylish. On, he was so yeah. stylish. I could have been like. Yeah. It was awesome. Like him getting his like superhero like costume moment and which we've seen in a lot of these MCU shows that have waited until the last episode oh, to kind of give us that. But like this was like his hero moment and finally his his glorious purpose like all coming full circle for 15 years of storytelling like a character that started off as just the annoying brother in Thor and and then being the main villain in Avengers and even though this is technically a different version it's still kind of the same version because I'm going to start being confused by time again <laughs> and like um because it is just the same character we knew up until Avengers just went on a different path and we saw the little bits and pieces throughout Dark World and and Ragnarok and into Infinity War and an end game of like his 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 face turn and but the way it was played out in this show and having this moment and and Justin you mentioned like when you started to realize that this was a series finale not a uh, season finale I'm like right when this moment starts it's really like oh shit no this is the end of this yeah character, that's where you're probably. like it's official like, it's official like, they yeah can't, they shouldn't and to your now I'm getting to your question Nate sorry I'm long winded but like um. Him grabbing it, it becoming his cape and him sitting down and becoming like a battery for the multiverse, mm -hmm. yeah. essentially, which is like not giving him enough credit. He is the god of stories, which everyone's talking about. I always thought it was the god of time or the god of the multiverse, but the god of stories and him essentially powering the multiverse is so insanely cool. And finally getting that throne and the gold coming up, um, like it's such a fitting, perfect end for this character. And I can't believe he got his like I am Iron Man snap moment and it like skyrocketed him to like i think might be like is easily one of the best characters in in the history of the mcu yeah. up there with iron man and yeah. captain america <laughs> yeah. and maybe even past thor at this point i'm gonna throw that out <laughs> yeah, there. yeah um yeah. personally like i think his character arc is thor has been great too i love chris hemsworth i love the kind of different vibes that each of the Thor movies bring. But like, I was so blown away with this moment. Um, I really do hope like, I'd be fine if this is the end, if this is the last time we see Loki, um, him taking this throne. And now he is the overseer of the, of the multiverse and the God of stories. I don't think that's going to be the case. Like, even though Tom Hiddleston's pretty much been like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm 14 years. Everything. This is the perfect end. Like, there's no way we don't get one more Thor Loki scene. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think I th I would be fine if it's like uh, in Secret Wars. Like, I hope we don't see him until Secret Wars Agreed. or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. give us that much time and have Thor. Like, Thor had to go to, um, oh God, Nevadalir, never, never, for the Needle fucking star, right? Needle of Ear. The Thor planet names really mess me up, too. <laughs> um, but that moment of, like, Thor having to travel to get uh, Stormbreaker and... Um, I think I want that moment with like Thor having to go to Loki at, at the end of time and have that moment, but Loki not necessarily being involved like back on, 
the timeline i'd be cool with but uh that's my spiel <laughs> i mean i i would love i'd love it if this is the end of character as well it is very fitting for him i also see you know a lot of potential for more stories to be mm-hmm. told the fact that his magic is now literally entwined throughout the multiverse how many how many loki variants are going to try and usurp him from this position and use the power Ooh. for their own because i feel like that already is a, is ripe potential for storytelling because loki is kind of a bad guy in the, at the start of most stories at least so even with when he's pulling the branches up there at the end and this scene i like the amount of uh exertion he's going through it almost looks like he's aging at the one point yes. it looks very much like richard e grant when he says the mm-hmm. the glorious purpose yeah. line from last season so it, this is a really cool moment for the character like you said 14 years leading to this point i'd be fine if this is the last time we see him but i also think that with the position he's in now he is going to be more integral than ever to the secret wars and i wouldn't be surprised if he's the one who's kind of pulling these heroes together to fight the the maybe the uh, the, all the kang variants are on the lower roots where it looks like the time is dying out whereas all the heroes we know are on the the life uh, the lovely lush part of the tree on the top. So mm-hmm. it'd be cool if that would be the secret wars is, is the brutes trying to overtake the branches up top or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's neat. It's a really cool idea for the story. And the fact that we got Yggdrasil back in mm-hmm. the MCU in a more like realized form. I love it. Not just Thor's drawing to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Now this is actually, it's actually a thing that connects yeah. the realms and stuff and feels closer to the, the comic book origin of uh, Yggdrasil and the world tree. So really cool. So good. Yeah, I think the of all the theories that we had throughout this this watch these watch clubs, I, I said that I feel like this was gonna give closure and sort of park Loki and just this is where Loki is. And I feel like this what is this is what this scene does. You know, first off, just the entire moment. It, it is like clearly it, it is some of the best visual storytelling. The cinema the cinematography is outstanding. Mm-hmm. The lighting is incredible. The music, the way it comes in, Natalie Holt's score, it just it's on fire in the scene. Like it is so friggin' good. And I, his costume, I, I wrote a note, it reminded me of He Who Remains costume. It had that sort of cloth, the scarfs, the sort of you know Regal. tailored look to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Regal. It's it's its own vibe. It even had the slippers, because I know he has slippers like that, like those loafers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's like he has this sort of own style to it. So it's incredible to see him sort of becoming what he didn't want to become, like the he who remains. But he's now he now is. He and and by extension, you know, I love the idea of of telling the the god of stories story through the idea that he is now in control of the multiverse because the multiverse is our stories right like it's it's just sort of like you could you could, time and stories are you can kind of create a correlation between those two words and it feels very fitting this is his approach and given the fact that he who remains saw himself as a script writer you know what i mean it mm-hmm. kind of adds to that that sort of dichotomy of a different type of writing um so i love i love that they were able to kind of give you all of this in in these in these moments and and kind of send it off but I, i'm with you i think they Darcy, I think that they're, they've parked Loki at a, at a place where he's very important. Uh, things are happening around him with the TVA and, and, and whatnot, but they've parked him, and I think he's he'll come back when he when they need him to. And, and I would be fine if they waited quite some time before they tried to, to bring him back. Don't do a Grogu. Don't bring him back in someone else's right. show, and then suddenly he's important Somehow again. Loki has returned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. exactly. No, so. don't bring that up. Um, but I, I, I want to kind of just also talk a little bit about how, you know, especially in episode five, the sequence with him talking to Sylvie at the bar, and you get that amazing performance from Tom when he says that he, he, he doesn't he doesn't know where he belongs and he doesn't want to be alone. And I think it's interesting. He's more powerful than he could ever have imagined. Um, 
but because he always imagined he always imagined that power as self-serving. But here he's facing the thing he fears most in order to keep the people he loves most alive. And he has to be alone. I went back and rewatched some of the scenes from Thor one. Uh, and you can see like really the inception, like the, the, the fear that, that of being alone comes from the fact that when he was born, he was immediately left alone in Jotunheim uh, as a baby. Right. And so it's just crazy how consistent they've kept this character throughout his entire arc that that loneliness all the way back from birth uh is is kind of where they they pulled that from i just think it's fantastic um and the way they use the line from thor one i know this has kind of been floating around on the internet i've seen a few yeah. folks kind of call it out our friends the movie podcast made a wonderful uh social post on it as well but the the line when uh loki is hanging on the bifrost in thor one and he says to his father for you for everyone the fact that he's saying it to mobius and sylvie here again the two most important people to him in this new chapter of his life uh, and the fact that you know he's kind of saying it to sylvie which is him so is that like self-actualization in that moment i guess <laughs> well i really enjoyed the fact that you know there's there's this almost a triad of of one-on-one -on -one conversations the first is between him and he who remains his 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 counterpart his equal his his opposite maybe even if you would say right and then he has a conversation with mobius who's very much a mentor who's inspired loki to be on this better path ever since the the battle of new york mm -hmm. and then you have him talking to essentially a variant of himself but i think we know that there's sort of a romantic thing that's kind of there so you could argue there's something about a, a love the sort of the idea of telling her what he needs to do mm -hmm. um, to, so that he can very much save the bigger picture as, as Mobius had said. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, there's such a, there's such a finite closure to this, this journey that when it comes to this moment and he's looking at the both of them, it just reminds you why he went to those moments to, to get their approval, to, to seek their guidance, if you will. And uh, one final shout out to the final hair flip. Uh, of the season of the series uh yeah. <laughs> when he's about to go out of the gang wave at the very end oh yeah and you get to see it. i literally like took a moment pause and was like yeah final hair flip <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh but let's uh let's kind of get to the the ending here um sometime after and i love how it just says after with a period period uh yeah, yeah. uh the tva is back to normal and uh is viewing the timeline as sort of a, a tree the world tree uh, Miss Minutes is back to normal, though they don't know if they can trust her. Uh, Mobius reveals that they've been keeping tabs on He Who Remains variants, including one who is seemingly, uh, or it says seemingly, but is the Kang from Quantum Mania. Uh, Mobius tells Hunter B-15 that he's leaving to go experience the real world, uh, and she tells him that he'll always have a seat at the TVA. The TVA meet. Uh, Obi gets new copies of the TVA uh, handbook. Um, the a young Victor Timely does not get the book delivered to him, uh, sending him down a different path. Uh, Ravona wakes up in the void uh, and finds remnants of the TVA floor there. She also looks over and sees a pyramid and uh, and, and some other stuff. Uh, she sees oh, and she sees Elioth uh, in action, but she's not afraid. She almost looks determined. Uh, Mobius, what's that? John Locke. John Locke yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much the smoke monster. Um, Mobius watches over uh, a life where his human self and kids are happy and Sylvia's by his side. They talk about Loki and what the future can look like for all of them. Sylvie uh, leaves as Mobius continues to watch over his house and let time 
flow. Uh, and uh, and then we see Loki sitting proudly on his throne, finally truly burdened with glorious purpose. So uh, let's get into this ending here. Um, Matt, what did you think of the kind of like where all of our different characters ended up uh, and the suggestion that the TVA is now keeping tabs on as many Kang variants as they can? Yeah, I mean, I love the reinvention of the TVA. I'm curious where, I mean, we kind of know that they're going to pop up in Deadpool 3. Like, we that's not confirmed, but like, pretty assumed much assumed at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, but yeah, Mobius, I think so. Mobius like, is apparently supposed to, to be in it. Yeah. So that's what throws this, this sort of out of a loop. Yeah, right? Owen Wilson is supposed mm. to be in it. So, like, is it him or is it a variant or is this? No, I, I, I think that's just like. I, I hope that there's no season three of Loki like we already talked about. I hope the TVA is just a prominent figure in the multiverse saga where they pop up here and there in other projects. And I don't necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Almost like S.H.I.E.L.D. was made sense for that first kind of phase of Marvel leading up into the Infinity Saga and stuff like that. Where I would love if the TVA is this version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And Mobius being kind of the the Nick Fury, even though Nick Fury's still around sitting in a chair in the marvels <laughs> not really um but uh so i hope that they continue to pop up in things i don't think we'll get like a tva show or anything like that um i like that they're back and have a a, a new purpose uh, of finding these kang variants and making sure the timeline can grow so almost doing the opposite of what they were doing before yeah. of like probably popping into timelines to make sure that they can succeed and not have these apocalyptic events that get them kind of purge from the timeline i think that's really really cool um i i love the last sequence of loki kind of watching over mobius and sylvie i think it's a perfect final shot if this whole sequence with the music and oh. everything like didn't feel like an mcu like project it was at art a point. in a it was art. in a good way yeah. it was like again that goes back to just the vibe and the and the uh production design and that that film grain and this music and you're seeing owen wilson have this emotional moment and sylvie come out and um and and loki kind of watching over them with tears in his eye and kind of like a smile it was just such a perfect uh end point so i yeah i like where they leave mobius i think he will eventually go back to the tva because i don't know if he'll he'll probably jet ski around uh, for a little <laughs> he while steals that probably for like sure. going a little time a little time vacation and then he'll be back for deadpool or something like that um sylvie is the one character i think they did a little dirty this season like mm-hmm. i think ultimately it it ended up working out, but I do feel like she was just kind of in the background and more of a plot device than a real fully formed her own character this season. Like she was still great and I love her and, and I hope to see more of the character, but she's the one person and Renslayer, I guess too. I feel like they kind of thought they were going somewhere and then just kind of threw her into the void later. And then that's the thing I want to talk about you guys with you guys too, is like, I think that's the most interesting thing of her being dropped there uh, in front of Elioth in the void. Uh, they're showing us the TVA floor there, which means it could just be a, a, a an old version of the TVA. And this has all happened before. Right. Which I think is really interesting. Or is that a, he who remains uh, kind of him, a uh, 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 fail safe again of sending her to a certain point to come talk to him again if he's still there or mm. something like that. I like that theory. I like that theory a lot. I think that that feels feels more appropriate because there's something about this scene with with Renslayer that feels very telling 
it's almost like I said, I, I referenced John Locke because it reminded me immediately. It's it's the beginning of a new journey for Renslayer. You know, it's her origin story now. And very much like in, in Lost, when John Locke is confronted by the smoke monster, he, there's something in him that that turns on. Right, that changes John Locke's perspective. So, I think I think that that's that's very purposeful um, of why we're seeing that specific moment for sure, and maybe the hint of, uh, you know, the the fact that it is the TVA is that I don't know how pruning works, but it did it drop her based on where she did get pruned. She she got pruned in the TVA, therefore she's being dropped in a space in the void where there was they they pruned a TVA kind of thing. I, I don't I don't know um how how it worked cuz kind of like how they were hinting with time travel before where Loki would time slip but he would have to be in the same space. I'm wondering mm-hmm. if the void's kind of functioning in that way um in in some aspects cuz like she got pruned in I think the boardroom of the TVA. Um yeah. so I I I'm not sure but again just to see her story there's there's more to tell here. And to your point, Sylvie definitely was a, done a little dirty this season. Like she was kind of very background and, and not as important. I was hoping these last two episodes she'd be super, super important, but they just continued with that traje- trajectory. But like my question, I know I'm we're kind of deviating here, but like could they do a Loki season three, but with Sylvie? She is technically Loki. Mm-hmm. It's so. it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think there there was something that I kind of wanted to raise in terms of suspicion with Sylvie in in what I was talking about earlier with. He who remains sort of nudging Loki along. Uh, there's an argument that could be made that that she was in on He Who Remains' plan uh, since the end of season one. She kicks him through the time door. You know, we don't we, we do get to see what happens, but maybe we didn't get to see everything that necessarily occurs. And she has his temp pad, right? So she, you know, it seems that at every major crossroads of this episode, she points Loki in the right direction by saying something to him. And I think she knew she'd end up with her own freedom to go anywhere and do anything she wanted. But I don't think she knew exactly what that meant for Loki. I think she played her part because she says in episode five, uh, exactly what she wants is to, to have a life of her own. And she gets it in this episode. So maybe her... Um, sort of hiding away from Loki was delaying the inevitable of what to what was to come. Like she she knew something was you know possibly she wouldn't be able to be with Loki. Maybe she knew that much, and she wanted to sort of delay that for as long as possible. And that drink in the bar seemed like you know where Loki kind of goes to her in this episode and has his final goodbye. The drink in the bar felt like her final goodbye to him. Uh, and I just feel like the line where she says he's giving us a chance was her realizing just how he's giving them a chance that she maybe already knew about. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think she's, do you, am I, am I reaching here or is it, you know, does it sort of take I, I, away? I from... would like, I would like it if they could give us some sort of validation that that could be a thing, but based on right. what you're reading, it does make sense. But like, to the point of even like, like we were saying before, if like, if the two brothers was Loki, mm-hmm. like I think you're more right. I think the, the idea now I didn't think about it, but the fact that Mobius actually had two kids is probably yeah, what stopped him. Is what they were trying. That was to. what they were insinuating. Yeah. Mm. But like to what Matt was saying, if it, they wanted it to be Loki, they'd probably validate that a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, it, along the way. Because I think you know, again, she, her character. I do agree with you. I think that there are instances where she knew 
what was going on. Like when like she it. says, they kept in that on final her moment, looking... she's like, imagine if I didn't kill him, this would have never happened sort of thing. Right. I don't know if that was. And the then he goes line. right to that moment. And she looked at him when she said it, she looked right at him and said, knowing, I think like that she, she could. So I don't know if she was in on it, but I think she knew that Loki's he was are selfish. To try to fix I'm just saying, no offense. I love Sylvie. Don't get me wrong. But Loki's Truth. are selfish at the end of the day. And not all Loki's. I just, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I feel yeah. like it was more just, she wasn't thinking all the way through what she was doing. And like this was, that was her realizing what her decision has, has resulted in, which was the end of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was dealing with was trying to, you know, rectify that and like it would she bo- it boils down to her causing this this chaos anyway so maybe that that's what i got from that moment mm-hmm. i know it's an interesting theory but i f- i want to lean on the side that she didn't know and is still one of the good lokis out there totally yeah i'd be happy yeah. honestly i would be happy either way um but i also just going back to natalie holt's music in this section specifically oh uh the synthy theremin and then the horns literally i mean we we uh justin had a chance to talk to um laura cartman who did the music for the marvels definitely go check out that interview but she brought up a word that i i hadn't really thought about in a long time and that's sonification and it really does feel like the theremin and the horns is like the sonification of the tva and loki of asgard coming together and it's so freaking lovely and then you combine that with the focus in on that poster where it shows them preserving the great tree says nurture yeah nurture our nature Mm -hmm. for a stable future uh is just fantastic but the way that the branches are made up of orange but also gold and green in you know orange being very much a tva color and then gold and green being loki it's just again it's just the visual storytelling and the way that they sort of merge all this stuff together both visually and sonically is just unreal Unreal. Um, but um, let's get to kind of our our sort of final moment here, uh, our, our predictions, if you will, um, where, you know, I, I, I we talked about sort of a little bit of theorizing of where these characters end up. Um, I want to know, do you have any theories or low key perspectives is what we call them uh, on where we might see these characters hey. next? And Matt, I'll get you to go ahead. Um, I think my biggest question is he who remains in Kang, I guess, right? Because I think they put themselves in a spot where they could go either way. I know because of the state of the MCU right now, I think they're rethinking things Mm -hmm. and they're trying to kind of go, all right, do we want to stick to the plan? I think the multiverse is still going to be the plan. Um, and everything going on, we don't need to get into it all, but all the Jonathan Major stuff, right? That it, you know, a trial's happening later this month, and 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 things like mm-hmm. that. Whether they want might recast him, or or might not even use Kang in the future, and they might go the Doctor Doom route, or go something mm-hmm. else, or something. Like I'm curious, they left themselves in a spot where they could easily go. You know what? The TVA's, you know, handling it. They're watching all the Kang variants, and they're actually keeping it under control, and like. The 616 universe uh, took care of the quantum mania mm-hmm. uh, Kang and we could move on to something else or, you know, the multiverse is now, you know, open. It's an in infinite and the infinite amount of Kangs come out. And then that leads to Kang dynasty and secret wars. Uh, I think that's what I'm thinking about a lot. Like, I still don't know, especially with how the Marvels did this weekend. And, you know, I'm I'm very glad we're taking a little bit of a we're slowing down. We're pumping the brakes a little bit like the only movie we have next year is deadpool 3 mm-hmm. uh we have you know we have what if coming up we have uh, echo we have um i think maybe one other show next year i forget what but um i'm kind of okay with 
pumping the brakes a little pumpkin bit and the having brakes. a little yeah pumpkin, pumpkin the brakes pumpkin the brakes <laughs> um, other than that it's like what i mentioned earlier like i hope we do not see i i'm fine to seeing other other people in tva Absolutely, Sylvie, yep. uh renslayer like show up in different things or or continue their stories but like i really hope that they let loki just sit on this throne for a little while and that we don't see Agreed. him but Agreed. um the biggest thing is like what they're going to do with with Kang and I feel like they I remember in that variety article was a variety yeah. yeah where they talked about like well they're fucked they're like Kang is oh. such a huge part of the finale and there's no way they could possibly move forward and I'm like I didn't really see that here and I, I don't know if they changed anything but like I feel like they're in a spot where they could easily switch make out him the, yeah. yeah or just go you know what the TVA's got it handled we're doing something they different. pivot so I don't know they could yeah. they could pivot, they could recast. There's so many different options. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, like everything going on, Marvel's rethinking Jonathan Majors, what's going on with him. Um, they could easily recast and still say that there's an importance, or they can very much park the character and keep him in this sort of tangent of, you know, he's he's across the multiverse and the TVA is under control. And then you can incorporate maybe a doom that knows about mm-hmm. Kang and knows about things and tries to utilize him in a way to, for himself so that he could be the important figure in um, secret wars. But I, I do think that there is an opportunity to do secret wars different with Loki being sort of the beyonder or, you know, the, uh, the uh, to Kang. And we've already had this sort of, again, this entry level conversation in this episode between Loki and he who remains and you know he very much says I'm going to break your loom and I'm going to figure out another way and he did that and I think that that's the first instance of challenge I think we'll see more challenges uh, potentially leading to a secret wars where that could be the way that Loki reunites with Thor in a way to send off his character inevitably is is in a secret wars capacity because he chooses him to be on his as as one of the you know heroes on his team Avengers yeah, yeah exactly and and on his team so that there's that possibility you know how how you get doom in, in, incorporated into it how you could get you know is it kang something can happen there I, I think that they're still figuring it out i honestly like it's crazy that everyone's talking about like no season no season three for loki i, I agree like i don't want to see tom hiddleston as loki i like how they've parked his character but i still think that there's more stories to be told here mm. like again especially the way things are left off absolutely renslayer sylvie you know what I mean? The TVA is is doing their thing. What happened to Hunter X Five? Like where? What happened to him? What yeah. happened to Brad? Raphael, right? Brad, like, yeah. Yeah. he's acting. There's all sorts. Of, he just yeah. Went... He's probably but there, but again like <laughs> the, 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 there's some things that they left on the table that feel so obvious that where else would they put them? Mm. Where else could you fit them if they weren't into some sort of like Loki season three and Sylvie's the Loki? She's the, and think about her relationship with Renslayer. Like it would make so much sense if in a season three they were the opposing forces. They were the Loki and the she who remains sort of figure of of time. And Ms. Minutes is intertwined. And even with Ms. Minutes, they left so much on the table about what and the she reception knows. to this series in general. Like people, exactly. like I think in in a dark time of the MCU, like this is the one thing everyone I talk to is like it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like I can't fathom them going. Nah, let's just like if they're making an Agatha series yeah, and like yeah. all this kind of stuff, like there's no way that they just leave this and go, that's it. It does require though the, you know, 
specific elements from the production team, from the writing, to really find themselves into wanting to tell more stories. But I think there's an opportunity here for for potentially season three. But I don't think we need to see Tom Hiddleston. I don't even think that they understand what happened. Like, do they know that he sacrificed himself? Or, oh, sorry, that he is at the center of this thing? I don't think so. I, I think they see that Sylvie filled them in. Like, if Sylvie was with them at the end there, and after they see Loki go through there, they're obviously going to have questions. And the only other person in that group who had been beyond that veil was Sylvie at some point. Mm, so sure. I have a feeling she would have filled them in, and that's why they know about the whole tree thing and, and everything like that. But okay. to that's me, to point, me yeah. I, again, I, I mentioned it earlier, the fact that Loki's magic is so ingrained throughout the multiverse now, there are so many potentials to tell a Loki story that it, it could just be fall, each episode follows a new variant or eventually leading to maybe the young Loki that joins the young Avengers that also has a younger cool. version of Kang on the team. Like to me there, that, that there's some really cool stories that, that come from this idea that Loki is everywhere and everything now. And I, I, again, we don't necessarily need to see Tom Hiddleston, but we could see a Richard E. Grant return to the role or bring back the young Loki that we had in season one, stuff like that. Or alligator Loki. Explore, explore Loki and, and turn it into that <laughs> yeah. where it's a more of a multiverse exploration where there is a problem, but Loki's at the root of it all because of how involved he is in the multiverse. The root of it all, Darcy? Jeez. Calm down. Um, (laughs) But uh, I do want to shout out Jackson21Bart on our Discord. Uh, He mentioned the idea that maybe Loki would use his magic to project himself to various timelines and kind of something like you were saying, Justin, assemble a multiversal uh, Avengers team. I like that idea, but I, I also do really love the idea that like, the next time we see Loki is him meeting with Thor. Um, I think the next time that we see Sylvie, she might interact with Thor. I think that would be a really interesting dynamic in the sense that he's also a Loki and and she gets to meet, uh, the I guess, maybe the brother that she never really had. And uh, I think that would be really interesting. I also think Jane Foster might end up meeting Loki before Thor would. I think she's in Valhalla, and I don't know how... Oh, I forgot I don't, about the whole right? Valhalla I don't know how like, heaven works in, mixed in with, with the end of time or whatever, but I feel like they could probably uh, connect in some way. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, hey, Loki with his magic could have easily rewritten those all those Asgardians lost to Ragnarok into the souls on Earth, and we could have had that whole Thor storyline where he's going around reawakening Asgardians. And- yeah really fun stuff there's a lot of cool potential storylines that that could come from the series i I think we're all in agreement though parking loki here for now and then when you bring him back it matters right it's it's the same situation Mm -hmm. with some of these legacy characters right everyone's like oh bring back robert downey bring back captain america they'll save the mcu no they won't (laughs) don't save the mcu they'll give you like a one-time hit and that's it. a little they'll give a little jewel exactly exactly um yeah, I think waiting, you know, four or five years. I forget when Secret War. I think it's 2027, 2028. 2027. Or, yeah. As of right now. Um, As of right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be 28. That's like four four years, right? I, I'd be fine if we, we let the character sit for four years and, and not see him. So, uh, yeah, but I do think that there's potential. And I don't want, like, part of me, it's hard letting things go because I do want this to continue. And it, it was so good that you're like, they got to have more great stories in them. And, like, I can't fathom that they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, that's it. But sometimes you need to let something sit for a while. Well, hopefully we'll get to see them uh, again in uh, Deadpool, like it's rumored or potentially leaked. And I think no matter what happens with this show, I think how much they actually utilize it is going to be up to Kevin Feige and the writers and the directors of these future projects. But if they're smart they'll use it to their advantage because I think, you know, 
you you had mentioned Matt that this was up there with you for like like Loki is now up there with Tony Stark and I think this series and especially this moment is up there with for me with the snap like it's it's on the same uh level uh and so I I just I can't fathom the idea that they won't continue to utilize uh the excellent writing from this show but uh let's get to our kind of our overall impressions of the episode we still got to do that part um and i want to know your score uh for episode six and then if you could follow up with your final thoughts on the season as a whole uh and your score out of five on there um we're going to be using two rating scales uh our first rating scale is one to five paperweights slash infinity stones uh which i'm using as our own personal ouroboros because that was the rating scale we used in our first watch club uh for season one episode one of this show um so uh and then if you could give your final score uh for the series out of one to five thrones of glorious purpose uh matt i will get you to kick us off uh this is the easiest five infinity stones just get the whole gauntlet (laughs) just uh uh, it's it's five out of five for this episode and i think five out of five for this series as a whole um i I think with as high of praise I said of being top five MCU for me. And I think, you know, on any given day, like I even looked at my ranking today, which it's all nonsense anyway, but like I, I was like, you know, going, oh, wait, I, that was way too high. I move things down and, you know, every rewatch it changes. But um, right now I have the series, I think like, you know, I have Endgame, No Way Home, Infinity War. I really love Spider-Man Homecoming. And then I have this at five, mm. which is wild. So mm-hmm. like I, um, I, I absolutely love it. So perfect scores all around. Five thrones and five infinity stones. Nice. Thrones and stones. Darcy, how about yourself? I mean, yeah, it, it, this easy five out of five uh, paperweights and infinity stones for the episode for me too. The the acting, the music, everything about this was such a uh, a great way to close off this, this finale, potentially this series, because it was so good in terms of how they handled the character of Loki, which is what the show was all about. So that was incredible. And again, this season as a whole has been one of the best MCU shows start to finish. I mean, we all love the beginning of Secret Invasion and were let down very quickly with that one. And this one seems to be the opposite, where I, I liked it even more as we got more from the series, especially the last two episodes were incredible. So this is easily a five out of five Thrones of Glorious Purpose uh, for the season because it is remarkable how much they managed to make me fall in love with the character all over again. 100%. Justin? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm I'm with you guys. I, I think that this finale surpasses expectations and it gave such a great conclusion to this character's journey. Um, you know, the episode just, I love the way it uses the theme of time, utilizing fast and slow sequences to explore the more granular aspects of the narrative. And we got outstanding performances uh, from the entire cast, but mostly Tom Hiddleston, uh, obviously, as he goes through this emotional uh, journey. Writing is sharp. It provided closure to character arcs while leaving room for some possibilities in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I think this is a this is a finale that pushes emotion and philosophy with, you know, the narrative twists. And it creates a really satisfying and, and earned resolution. And honestly, at the end of the day, it just wrapped up this idea that this season is an exploration of redemption, identity, and the responsibility that... It, this new character has it's just adding new lore to to the character of loki so i think this finale was a huge triumph it, it, it gave me some thought-provoking uh moments and and it honestly it feels like it's 
glorious purpose. I know it's really cheesy to say it. It really does define that definition. So yeah, five out of five infinity stones for sure on, on, on the episode. And as for the season, yeah, like this is, this is a testament of the quality of the MCU uh, when you choose quality over just quantity, like, you know, this is, this is what you get. It's so refreshing and it, it because it feels like it doesn't really owe anything to the larger narrative, like especially given like there's elements, but the way this series ends or what, the way the season ends, you know, it's contrary to expectations. I think everyone had huge thoughts of like overreaching storylines and you know what what was it gonna what was it gonna influence and impact? But I was pleasantly surprised to see that these last two episodes particularly focused on Loki and sort of closing out his character and allowing us to dive more into his complexities without the burden of being tied to the broader MCU. So yeah, this season was fantastic. I think it's, it's focused, concise storytelling uh, that showcases the creative possibilities when you can give writers the freedom and, and just highlights focusing on characters as well. And just incredible. So, you know, it was a banger from season one with incredible production design, incredible cinematography, visual effects were top notch writing was already there so this is just a continuation of that so yeah five out of five thrones thrones and stones five out of five there you go we're throwing stones uh this <laughs> <laughs> stupid this episode and then nate's one out of five and two yes. out of five for nate. i honestly this blue chunks like matt's word vomit uh no this uh <laughs> this episode was uh perfect uh the callbacks not to just just not just this season but uh or the series but to loki in his overall journey throughout the entire arc mm-hmm. of his life is just fantastic it's so the writing is so deeply uh poetic and it it justifies sort of the end of this character and shows how we can get such personal connected stories, even when we're dealing with a God. Uh, and it kind of does some of the, that's some of the storytelling that like, I was like, I, I praised Eternals for, and this does it a million, billion times better. Um, <laughs> you praised uh, what? I praised Eternals. <laughs> I like that movie. Yeah, I know you. you I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, the fact that we've got a, a God who was born alone, grew to crave glorious purpose for selfish reasons and then to become the most selfless character in the MCU to serve a greater glorious purpose is fantastic. The music in both this episode, uh, like or in this episode and, and the, the, sorry, the music in this episode, both the score and the soundtrack are next level. Uh, and the performances from Tom, Sophie, Jonathan, and Owen are flawless. And I love how each of them get standout moments in this episode. Um, I haven't felt this level of, sort of melancholy, but also peace about an ending to a story arc in the MCU since Tony Stark. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that is a huge thing to be celebrated from my, just from my own personal feelings. Uh, it's an easy five out of five Infinity Stones paperweights. Um, and for the series overall, obviously everything you guys have said from top to bottom and everywhere in between uh, for all time always, the show uh, is has just been phenomenal and so incredibly consistent. The production design from season one to season two, the music, as I already mentioned, the performances, and just it it just it's such a huge win for Loki fans and for fans of the MCU in general. Uh, so I can't wait to see what it does for the MCU overall. I hope it does, uh, as we were talking about, a lot more. Uh, and I hope that we can get more stories from these writers going forward because I think they're incredibly talented. Uh, I'm giving Loki season two a flawless five out of five. Thrones of glorious 
Damn. I was not expecting that. No, you really didn't think that. Not right? Yeah. That. I didn't yeah, think yeah. that. You I thought a, you were going to give me a four. Four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm usually <laughs> on the low end of Marvel <laughs> chats. Uh, but before we wrap things up, Matt, um, you know, could you let our lovely listeners know how they can keep up with you and all the wonderful conversations between yourself uh, and uh, a lovely man named Eric? Yeah, Eric Marchin, not to be confused with Eric Martin, the <laughs> yes. writer of Loki. True, yeah. They're um, I, I wish I did my show with Eric Martin instead of <laughs> oh, Eric no. Marchin. I'm not going to listen to this part of the uh, podcast. We're okay. Yeah, yeah. No, Eric knows I just love giving him shit. Uh, Eric's the best, uh, way smarter than me. Um, yeah, I do a little show called The Untitled Movie Podcast and another show called Untitled Movie Reviews where myself and Eric Marchin, not Eric Martin, uh, talk about movies and you know the entertainment industry as well as review new films and new uh, uh, TV shows and streaming, even though it's called the Mood Untitled Movie Podcast. We just kind of cover everything. So I'd love if you guys go subscribe on YouTube. You can just search for Untitled Movie Podcast or on all podcast services. It's Untitled Movie Podcast and Untitled Movie Reviews. Uh, the easiest place to find us, one-stop shop. Go over to Letterboxd if you're on Letterboxd and just search Untitled underscore Movies. We have an HQ over there where we post both our video and audio versions and our reviews and all that kind of stuff. So that's the best place to follow us. And then you can follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And if you haven't had enough of hearing Matt talk about Loki specifically, uh, he was also on the Kind of Funny Screencast for two different episodes. Uh, so if you want to go back and back in time and hear his thoughts uh, at two separate points in time, you can definitely go and do that. We'll have the links in our description for everything Matt just mentioned. Uh, I love the balance, Matt, that you and Eric uh, bring to your podcast. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a collective here at Geek Centric, we always talk about how we kind of fall maybe a little more in line with your fandoms. That's why you're on this oh, yeah, watch yeah, club sure. uh, and your likes and dislikes. But at the same time, you guys just hate no, Eric. <laughs> no, I was going to say, a, you know what? I, I love Eric. I think He's great, man. The thing with Eric is, at least for myself, and I know Justin's a little more of like a, a cinephile, if you will, than maybe Darcy and yeah. I. But um, but for myself, like I, Eric gives me something to strive for. Uh, in better understanding the art of cinema and like the history yeah, crazy. and I'm just like I'll be listening to him and just to hear him talk about something like well you know it reminds me of the French film uh, Three Girls Down the Door in an, un like, in an unpretentious way right Absolutely. which is like which is what I love about Eric and love about our yeah. show because I'm very much on, on your guys wavelength where you know I like big popcorn movies I like comic book movies like I, I love artsy fucking long ass movies <laughs> yeah. too and like so it's but eric has an encyclopedic Nuts. knowledge of just cinema and movies in general so um and i think we balance each other really well right like where i force him to watch fucking mcu movies every every couple <laughs> and months and like for um, hours yeah. <laughs> yeah, and introduce him to some. I'm sure he would have watched all this stuff yeah. anyway. But I think my enthusiasm for a lot of that stuff probably helps him through. Um, it helps him enjoy some of this stuff a little bit more, I think, and then vice versa. Like where he'll, you know, I probably review a ton of stuff that I might not have gone to see, or he's introduced me to a bunch of stuff. And like, I think me coming from a more populist angle, like I like to review movies kind of like if I'm just Joe Schmo going to the movies on a, on a Saturday night at, at, at Cineplex. And I, I don't like some of the intellectual kind of, uh, bullshit that comes with reviewing <laughs> movies and like yeah. I hate people who think that they're better than other people because they like movies that no one watches and, and shit sure. like that. And, um, I think Eric has a, a good, uh, you know, uh, spot where he, he really respects cinema. He gives a shit, but he, he tries to approach it from like a, anyone can love 
any mm. of this stuff. And that's my big point is like, I, I, we're talked about the MCU for so long here. I, like, I don't, I hate people who hate the MCU and think like, it's fine not to like something, right. but to just write it off and be like everyone who likes that nonsense is, it's popular. you know, because yeah, because it's popular or it's, you know, silly and, and stuff like that. And you have to like this kind of shit. It's like, no, you just like what you want to like. Uh, but also be open too. That's my thing to a lot of people who try to listen to our show and stuff is like, I like to review, you know, MCU stuff one week and then, you know, award stuff and then small, you know, art, art films from TIFF and, and stuff like that. So we like to kind of cover everything, but yeah. Yeah. Your dynamic, I've always enjoyed it because it does feel like two different minds of, of film coming together as friends and talking about mm -hmm. it. It's like the celebration of, of movie watching, whether they, whether they be like, all good movies or bad movies, you know, they're not always perfect, mm -hmm. right? But you have fun doing it and it's the act of talking that's really fun, which is like a very much what our, I believe our culture oh, wants to be as well as just fun talking about it. And sure, we can take the piss out of each other and say, ah, that's stupid, but you know, whatever. It's, we have fun with it the entire time and we're just joking around. And I think that's the best part is you have fun with it, right? So mm -hmm. I needed to take a stance and I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon yet because Nor have I. Um, <laughs> yeah. just, I like to give Eric shit about that. I'm like, because <laughs> uh, he always wears his Martin Scorsese MCU shirt whenever he reviews uh, a Marvel movie that he doesn't like so it. i'm like you motherfucker <laughs> i'm just not gonna go see that and i i love scorsese too and uh, that's i'll watch it at home whole, when i can go pee that, and pause yeah that whole conversation um i think is very funny and um for me it's just like i do want to see it i just uh now i'm at a point where i'm like it'd be funnier to just stand my ground <laughs> and not see it so anyways that's our whole whole thing but thank you guys for having me i i, I love talking to you guys it's a it's a blast because i get to geek out with you guys yeah. and it's it's really awesome. So Thank we should you. do this more often. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Whether you're a, um, an MCU fan or a Scorsese fan, uh, Scorsese fan, uh, <laughs> we are geek-centric, and you can be too. Um, so go check out all the stuff that Matt just talked about. Uh, listen to their podcast. Check out their YouTube. Um, but that is it for this Watch Club for Loki Season 2. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or your predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, let me just send Justin out onto the game way millions of times over and over and over again over the course of a few centuries so that he can let you know how you can reach us across time okay i got it this time they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com that's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com they can reach out to us on the app formerly known as twitter x whatever it's called uh at, at uh, geekcentric yt and they can reach out to us on instagram at wearegeekcentric now justin uh mention the discord make sure to mention the discord okay right the discord the discord uh the discord uh we will have that in the links uh, below we, we talk spoilers uh we we'd love we love to get engaged with our community we've been having some great conversations uh about the marvels and loki season two so come join Along. Wow, he did it. He did it. And we've finally <laughs> ended the loop that Not is this spaghetti. podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> keep in mind, we do have a ton of other episodes covering the recent releases with our spoiler-free reviews from Marvel Studios, The Marvels, uh, The Hunger Games, A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, uh, the Netflix series Blue Eye Samurai, Pumpkins, uh, Invincible Season 2 Part 1, and David Fincher's The Killer. We got a ton of interviews out now, like our interviews with the creative team behind Loki, where Justin had the chance to speak with Dan DeLue, uh, who directed episodes to Kazra Farahani, who directed episode three and lead production design on the show uh, as well. Um, oh, sorry. Uh, 
Kazra Ferihani, who directed episode three. He's also lead production design on the show as well. Uh, and Christine Wada, who was the mastermind behind the excellent costumes on the show. He chats with them all about uh, the way that they collaborated to, into, you know, sort of crafting season two of Loki. Uh, and if that's not enough Marvel goodness, as I mentioned earlier, Justin also had the chance to speak with Laura Cartman, the composer for the Marvel uh, for Marvel Studios, the Marvels, uh, as well as the executive producer, Mary Livinos, uh, as they and, and both of them also shared sort of what sets Marvel's the Marvel's apart from other projects. Um, but they also talk about the power of collaboration and what makes that movie so special. So go check out all those interviews either here on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, and lastly, we'd love it if you give us a five star review. Let us know what you think of us. Uh, you can leave a review. We'd love to become uh, some rotten tomatoes, uh, just like Eric March. And I think you call that out, Matt, every single time he's a uh, He's he's he. What is it? He's allergic to tomatoes. <laughs> he is actually allergic to tomatoes. Wow. But he is he is tomato meter. There we approved, go. So, uh, they won't let me in for some reason. But he's in. Well, we'll try to get you in if we ever get in. Uh, Matt, Justin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this watch club. Uh, and as we say, possibly for the last time, for, for all, all time, time, always. always.